A Treatise on the Religious Affections by Jonathan Edwards Negative Sign Number 5 It is no sign The religious affections are truly holy and spiritual, or that they are not, that they come with texts of scripture remarkably brought to the mind. It is no sign that affections are not gracious, that they are occasioned by scripture so come into mind, provided it be the scripture itself, or the truth which a scripture so brought contains and teaches, that is a foundation of the affection, and not merely, or mainly, the sudden and unusual manner of its coming to the mind. But on the other hand, neither is it any sign that affections are gracious, that they arise on occasion of scriptures brought suddenly and wonderfully to the mind, whether those affections be fear or hope, joy or sorrow, or any other. Some seem to look upon this as a good evidence that their affections are saving, especially if the affections excited are hope or joy, or any other which are pleasing and delightful. They will mention it as an evidence that all is right, that their experience came with a word, and will say, there were such and such sweet promises brought to my mind. They came suddenly, as if they were spoken to me. I had no hand in bringing such a text to my own mind. I was not thinking of anything leading to it. It came all at once, so that I was surprised. I had not thought of it a long time before. I did not know at first that it was scripture. I did not remember that ever I had read it. And it may be, they will add, one scripture came flowing in after another, and so texts all over the Bible, the most sweet and pleasant and the most apt and suitable which could be devised, and filled me full as I could hold. I could not but stand and admire. The tears flowed. It was full of joy, and could not doubt any longer. And thus, they think they have undoubted evidence that their affections must be from God, and of the right kind, and their state good, but without any manner of grounds to it. How came they by any such rule? is that if any affections or experiences arises with promises and comfortable texts of scripture, unaccountably brought to mind, without their recollection, or if a great number of sweet texts follow one another in a chain, that this is a certain evidence that their experiences are saving? Where is any such rule to be found in the Bible? The great and only sure directory in things of this nature, what deceives many of the less understanding and considerate sort of people in this manner seems to be this, that the scripture is a word of God. It has nothing in it which is wrong, but is pure and perfect. And therefore, those experiences which come from the scripture must be right. But then it should be considered. Affections may arise on occasion of the scripture, and not properly come from the scripture, as the genuine fruit of the scripture and by a right use of it, but from an abuse of it. All that can be argued from the purity and perfection of the word of God with respect to experiences is this, that those experiences which are agreeable to the word of God are right, and cannot be otherwise, and not that those affections must be right, which arise on occasion of the word of God come into the mind. What evidence is there that the devil cannot bring texts of scripture to the mind and misapply them to deceive persons? There seems to be nothing in this which exceeds the power of Satan. It is no work of such mighty power to bring sounds or letters to persons' minds that we have any reason to suppose nothing short of omnipotence can be sufficient for it. If Satan has power to bring any words or sounds at all to persons' minds, 
He may have power to bring words contained in the Bible. There is no higher sort of power required in men to make them sounds which express the words of a text of scripture than to make the sounds which express the words of an idle story or song. And so the same power in Satan, which is sufficient to renew one of those kinds of sounds in the mind, is sufficient to renew the other. The different signification, which depends wholly on custom, alters not the cases to ability to make or revive the sounds or letters. Or will any suppose that texts or scriptures are such sacred things that the devil durst not abuse them nor touch them? And as also they are mistaken. He who was bold enough to lay hold on Christ himself and carry him here and there, into the wilderness, and into a high mountain, and to a pinnacle of the temple, is not afraid to touch the scripture, and abuse that for his own purpose, as he showed at the same time that he was so bold with Christ. He then brought one scripture and another to deceive and tempt him. And if Satan did presume and was permitted to put Christ himself in mind of texts of scripture to tempt him, what reason have we to determine that he dare not, or will not be permitted, to put wicked men in the mind of texts of scripture to tempt and deceive them? And if Satan may thus abuse one text of scripture, so he may another. It's being a very excellent place of scripture. A comfortable and precious promise alters not the case as to his courage or ability. And if he can bring one comfortable text to the mind, so he may a thousand and may choose out such scriptures as tend most to serve his purpose, and may heap up scripture promises tending according to the perverse application he makes of them, wonderfully to remove the rising doubts and to confirm the false joy and confidence of a poor deluded sinner. We know the devil's instruments. Corrupt and heretical teachers can and do pervert the scripture to their own and others' damnation. Second Peter 3 verse 16 we see they have the free use of scripture in every part of it. There is no text so precious and sacred, but they are permitted to abuse it to the eternal ruin of multitudes of souls, and there are no weapons they make use of with which they do more execution. And there is no manner of reason to determine that the devil is not permitted thus to use the scriptures as well as his instruments. For when the latter do it, they do it as his instruments and servants, and through his instigation and influence. And doubtless, he does the same, he instigates others to do. The devil's servants do but follow their master, and do the same work that he does himself. And as the devil can abuse the scripture to deceive and destroy men, so may men's own folly and corruptions as well. The sin which is in men acts like its father. Men's own hearts are deceitful like the devil, and use the same means to deceive. So that it is evident that any person may have high affections of hope and joy, arising on occasion of texts of scripture, yea, precious promises of scripture coming suddenly and remarkably to their minds, as though they were spoken to them, yea, a great multitude of such texts following one another in a wonderful manner, and yet all of this be no argument that these affections are divine, or that they are any other than the effects of Satan's delusions. And I would further observe that persons may have raised and joyful affections which may come with the word of God, and not only so, but from the word, and those affections not be from Satan, or yet properly from the corruptions of their own hearts, but from some influence of the Spirit of God with the word, and yet have nothing of the nature of true and saving religion in them. Thus, the stony ground hearer had great joy from the word, Yea, which is represented as arising from the word, 
its growth from a seed, and their affections hand and their appearance a very great and exact resemblance with those represented by the growth on the good ground, the difference not appearing until it was discovered by the consequences in the time of trial. And yet, there was no saving religion in those affections. Negative sign number six. It is no evidence that religious affections are saving or that they are otherwise, that there is an appearance of love in them. There are no professing Christians who pretend that this is an argument against the truth and saving nature of religious affections. But on the other hand, there are some who suppose it is a good evidence that affections are from the sanctifying and saving influences of the Holy Ghost. Their argument is that Satan cannot love, this affection being directly contrary to the devil whose very nature is enmity and malice. And it is true that nothing is more excellent, heavenly, and divine than a spirit of true Christian love to God and men. It is more excellent than knowledge, or prophecy, or miracles, or speaking with the tongue of men and angels. It is the chief of the graces of God's Spirit in the life, essence, and sum of all true religion, and that by which we are most conformed to heaven, and most contrary to hell and the devil. But yet it is in arguing from this that there are no counterfeits of it. It may be observed that the more excellent anything is, the more will be the counterfeits of it. Thus, there are many more counterfeits of silver and gold and of iron and copper. There are many false diamonds and rubies, but who goes about to counterfeit common stones? Though the more excellent things are, the more difficult it is to make anything that shall be like them, and their essential nature and internal virtues. Yet the more manifold will the counterfeits be, and the more will art and subtlety be displayed in an exact imitation of the outward appearance. Thus, there is the greatest danger of being cheated in buying of medicines that are most excellent and sovereign, though it be most difficult to imitate them with anything of the like value and virtue, and their counterfeits are good for nothing when we have them. So it is with Christian virtues and graces. The subtlety of Satan and men's deceitful hearts are one chiefly to be exercised in counterfeiting those that are in highest repute. So there are perhaps no graces that are more counterfeits than love and humility, these being virtues in which the beauty of a true Christian does especially appear. But with respect to love, it is plain by the scripture that persons may have a kind of religious love and yet have no saving grace. Christ speaks of many professing Christians that have such love whose love will not continue and so shall fellow salvation, Matthew 24, verses 12 and 13. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of the many shall wax cold, but he that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved, which latter words plainly show that those spoken of before, whose love shall not endure to the end, but wax cold, should not be saved. Persons may seem to have love to God in Christ, yea, to very strong and violent affections of this nature, and yet have no grace. For this was evidently the case with many graceless Jews, such as cried Jesus up so high, following him day and night without meat, drink, or sleep, such as said, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go, and cried, Hosanna to the son of David. Also seems to intimate that there were many in his days who had a counterfeit love of Christ. Ephesians 6 verse 24 Grace be with all of them that love our Lord Jesus Christ. Insincerity The last word in the original signifies 
in corruption, which shows that the apostle was sensible that there were many who had a kind of love to Christ whose love was not pure and spiritual. So also, Christians' love to the people of God may be counterfeited. It is evident by the scripture that there may be strong affections of this kind without saving grace, as there were in the Galatians towards the Apostle Paul when they were ready to pluck out their eyes and give them to him, although the Apostle expresses his fear that their affections were come to nothing, and that he had bestowed upon them labor in vain, Galatians 4 verses 11 and 15.